From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up on this Wednesday edition, is it time for a reality check for the Biden administration? The debt ceiling deadline looms, and President Biden still refuses to negotiate with congressional Republicans. Nothing has changed. We didn't. We are not negotiating on the debt limit. That is not something that we're doing. There's, that should be done without conditions. We've been very, very clear about that. That was audio of, a, of the White House Press Secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, earlier today aboard Air Force One. Well, you add to that the existing border crisis, which is about to explode, and the president, well, he's saying that he'll veto a Republican measure designed to address the crisis. While at the same time, his Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, says the border crisis is the fault of Congress for not acting. I cannot overemphasize that our current situation is the outcome of Congress leaving a broken, outdated immigration system in place for over two decades. It is also the result of Congress's decision not to provide us with the resources we need and that we requested. You know, I'm finding a pattern with this administration. The White House, the Biden administration, simply wants Congress to do what they want. And if they don't do what they want, well, then they're not doing anything. Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson, a member of the House leadership team, will join us in just a moment. Uh, We just got notice that the House has called votes, so everyone's scrambling to get to the House floor. So most of our uh, interviews today will be by phone. Meanwhile, House Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman James Comer revealed more evidence of influence peddling by the Biden administration. The Bidens have received millions of dollars from China. It is inconceivable that the president did not know it. The White House refuses to correct the president's statements, showing the president is now using the federal government to run interference for his families and his own role in these schemes. Based upon the bank records that the committee has collected, there were also Romanian-related payments that went through an elaborate structure of LLCs that ultimately ended up in the hands of nine Biden family members. We're going to get the latest from the House Oversight and Accountability Committee a little bit later here in the program. And Senator Ted Budd of North Carolina is asking questions of the Navy about their use of TikTok and drag queens. Also, Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin is blaming Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville for the military's woes because Tuberville is holding up flag officer promotions over the military's unilateral decision to expand abortion. We're going to talk about that. We'll also talk with Dr. Quentin Van Meter, president of the American College of Pediatricians, about a National Institute of Health-funded study that appeared to be structured to support the experimental use of drugs and surgeries for youth with gender dysphoria. Well, there's a problem. In this study, two participants committed suicide, and it seems that it didn't matter. Members of Congress are weighing in on this as well. Our word for today comes from Daniel chapter 5. Here's the setting. Daniel is called in to read the handwriting on the wall for Belshazzar, king of Babylon, as the kingdom is about to fall. Belshazzar was filled with pride, unlike his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, who came to his senses and humbled himself before God. Verse 23 reads, And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives, and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you've not glorified. The downfall of individuals and nations is pride, which ultimately profanes God. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to TonyPerkins.com. Well, yesterday's meeting between President Biden and congressional leaders did not lead to a breakthrough on the federal debt ceiling and the spending stalemate that still exists. According to the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, the president both refuses to negotiate and insists that no cuts can be found in the proposed White House budget. The president and the speaker agreed to meet again on Friday. With the debt ceiling deadline just weeks away, what will it take for the president 
to do his job. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Mike Johnson. He serves on the House Judiciary Committee, including its subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. He also serves on the House Armed Services Committee. He represents the 4th Congressional District of Louisiana. Congressman Johnson, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony, I'm sorry I can't appear by video. It's a crazy time on Capitol Hill today, so thanks for being uh, flexible. Yeah, I need to talk to the speaker about calling these votes right before the program. <laughs> uh, so let's jump into this. Uh, this. The speaker, the president met yesterday, but still the rhetoric coming out of the White House is no negotiations. They're not budging at all. Yeah, it's it's patently absurd. You have to remember, of course, that President Biden himself used to lead these negotiations. I mean, 2009, 2011. In 2011, he led the debt limit negotiations with House Republicans. He was a senator then, of course, and he called negotiations a normal process. He said, you have to have a compromise. He said, you can't go in with the my way or the highway approach. But, of course, that's exactly what he's projecting right now. So it's it's terribly hypocritical. But more important than that, it's dangerous dangerous. This is a, a, a very dangerous game that he is playing. The, the president has to negotiate with us. The House has done its job, and, and it, we need him to come to the table in good faith. There is something that's a little unique about this, and that you actually do have a party that has put together a comprehensive plan that they have passed through the House, the, the Limit, Save, and Grow Act. So, I mean, it's not like this is a theoretical discussion. You've put something solid onto the table. We have indeed. We have we have done our part, and and we're committed to a, you know a sensible debt ceiling solution, but we have to at the same time put some guardrails on this reckless Washington spending. It, it's the spending, of course, that has caused this record high inflation. That's causing the you know the rising interest rates and supply chain shortages, and you know all the instability in the banking system. All, all the pain that hardworking families are feeling right now is because of the spending choices. And so we have to use this as leverage to get change in that trajectory because it is not a sustainable one for, for the American people. So, so Congressman Johnson, let me ask you this question because the, the president not only is refusing to negotiate, but he, he came right out and he's been saying, well, I'm not going to go along with the Republicans. They want to cut veteran benefits. I mean, we, we see these lines over and over where the president is not telling the truth. No, he clearly is not. That that they just literally made that up out of thin air. And and to his credit, Kevin, uh, Speaker McCarthy called the president on it in the Oval Office in the meeting. He said, "Mr. President, that is a lie. Show me the language in the bill." Of course, it doesn't exist. Of course, the president himself hasn't seen the bill. Right? He's reading some talking point that somebody handed him. Um, it, it's absurd. They're 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 engaging in fear mongering because they refuse to engage in any responsible discussion about the spending habits. For years and years, decades, the Democrat Party has engaged in this tax and spend policy. And in, in the last few years, they've been writing checks that even our grandchildren can never pay. We're, we're not spending our own money now, right. Tony, as you and I have discussed so many times. We're spending not just the next generation, but the one after that. And we're digging a hole so deep, they'll never be able to get out of it. When we speak to young people today, I tell them, you cannot take for granted that you will have the same freedom, opportunity, security that your parents and grandparents had, because it's not going to be there unless the people in charge of Washington right now change their habits. That's what this is about. And, and it is a bold initiative, and it's it's long overdue. I want to switch gears here before we run out of time. Um, you serve on the subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, and today a report was released regarding an interim staff report on the fact that it appears that the Secretary of State, current Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, uh, used his influence in the Biden, when Biden was running for office, to get over 50 foreign, uh, 50 former uh, intelligence individuals to sign a statement uh, discrediting the news that was coming out about the Biden laptop. Uh, This this is pretty significant. It's 
It's more than significant. It's explosive. Now, let me just clarify exactly what the evidence now suggests. We've been engaging in these investigations through the Weaponization Committee, through the House Oversight Committee. Um, we've been working at this every day, you know, since we took control in January. And, and what we find, Tony, is alarming. It's worse than we even thought. The corruption is so rampant. The evidence suggests on this particular issue that, that senior Biden campaign officials in 2020 – including now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, okay, also the current Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates and the current Counselor to the President Steve Reschetti, okay, those individuals took active measures to not only discredit the allegations of the Hunter Biden laptop story, but they exploited the national security credentials of former intelligence officials. And, and then they coordinated efforts to disseminate that now infamous statement by the 51 former um, you know, intel officers uh, with the media. They, they, they quite literally engaged the CIA itself in the review and approval of the statement before its release, and they helped shop it around to the media. That's what the evidence has uncovered, and it is alarming is the best word I can come up with. Anthony Blinken should resign from his post. Of course. I mean, this, this, this shows corruption throughout. I mean, as you mentioned, this was in a campaign, but now these individuals are in key positions of the Biden administration. Well, effectively, I mean, what it looks like to us is they were rewarded for this effort, this behavior. We know that when the media narrative was released, based upon this this letter by the 51 former intel uh, officers, uh, their credibility, it changed the outcome of the election. That's what the polling says. If the American people had 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 believed and that the the Hunter Biden laptop was real, and and that the ties and the implications about his father were real. We, we have a different president right now, okay? That is the fact. That's what the polling shows. That's not a Republican talking point. So this is huge. It has huge implications for everything. And the fact that these people are still serving in positions of power, the Secretary of State has immense power. He speaks for the whole country, and he has no credibility. He's a political operative, and they have not been telling the truth about this from day one. So all of our worst instincts, Tony, are now proving to have been true. Now, in addition to that, you, as the committee has sought information about this, you have not only this, you have the, the Biden administration at several levels refusing to comply. The CIA, uh, Secretary Blinken, uh, both of them refusing to provide the information that's been requested by the committee. Well, they have. And, and thankfully, we have brave, patriotic, courageous whistleblowers inside these agencies, the FBI, the CIA. Uh, who are, are testifying under oath now, some of them, by subpoena. Others are coming forward voluntarily to tell their story, and they all line up. This is not one or two persons. We have, we have scores of them now, and they are coming forward to tell their stories because they're clear in their own consciences. They knew that this was wrong. Um, it, it, some of them actually participated in it, the, the ones that we've had a subpoena, and, and they've told us under oath. One of them famously now, infamously now, uh, is this gentleman, uh, Michael Morell? He was the, the CIA deputy director, and he testified about all this uh, in, in, a, in under oath. And so the, the evidence uh, that is being pulled together is uh, really shocking stuff. And I think it undermines the great fear here. The great danger is that it undermines the people's faith in our institutions themselves. Right. You and I have discussed before. It's like, you know, people don't believe in our State Department right now. They don't de believe in our Department of Justice. They, they, they doubt the efficacy of, of top CIA officials. And right. This is dangerous stuff it, when it, you're trying it, to maintain a constitutional republic. All of government, uh, which is, they made this an all of government effort, but it is all uh, undermining of all of government. Mike, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Go vote. All right, folks, stick you with us. We're coming back. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. 
Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be disciples their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. This is Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Questions still remain over the U.S. Navy's use of a TikTok drag queen as a digital uh, advisor to reach potential recruits. But Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is focused on Tommy Tuberville uh, in his hold on officer promotions in response to the Pentagon's illegal abortion policy. Austin wrote a letter to Senator Elizabeth Warren asserting that Senator Tuberville's efforts, quote, diminishes our global standing as the strongest military in the world, end quote. Hmm. Now, does the secretary think drag queens and pronoun training strengthen our standing? But join me now to discuss this and more as Senator Ted Budd of North Carolina, who led a letter of 14 U.S. senators to the Secretary of the Navy seeking more information on their use of a drag queen to recruit. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Armed Services Committee. Senator Budd, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. So does the Navy's use of a drag queen for recruiting fit a pattern we continue to see from the Biden administration? Well, Tony, sadly, it does fit a pattern. Uh, this is very tragic. I talk to young people, and you know, I see so much good going on in the military, and I encourage uh, folks to consider a career and serving our country in uniform. And they say, you know, with things like this, it really discourages them. Um, they're already behind, behind their recruiting goals, uh, many of the branches of the armed services. This doesn't help at all. So it, it, it's sad. Look, first of all, there are bans on TikTok devices, on U.S. government devices, uh, so why would they want to have someone that has built their career on TikTok, TikTok as a drag queen and then use that to recruit people there? It seems like more they're pushing their radical leftist uh, agenda rather than trying to support our military and strengthen our country. Now, you asked that question as to whether or not they are encouraging the use of TikTok. 
uh, by these ambassadors. Uh, have you heard anything back from the secretary, uh, from the Navy? Oh, it's, it's been radio silence as far as a response to this, which is uh, you know, par for the course on so many things. Uh, again, they seem to be less focused on protecting our country, uh, the administration protecting our borders, and uh, more focused on uh, pushing these crazy agendas that we know breaks down the family and ultimately hurts our country. Uh, Senator Budd, I was reading the letter from Secretary Austin to uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and he was lamenting, you know, the, the readiness impact that this is going to have by by uh, not moving these officers through. But nothing in here about the 8,000 members of the military who were pushed out because they did not get a, uh, a COVID vaccine. I mean, I, I don't think they're overly concerned with readiness when they're pushing out good men and women simply for not falling in line with their agenda. Yeah, they really are. And I was able to question um, Secretary Austin uh, a week or so ago. And I said, you know, if you change this policy, you solve your problem. Uh, Senator Warren, um, Lloyd Austin, others at uh, the top brass, the Biden administration, uh, they keep doubling down on this abortion policy that Senator Tuberville rightly has opposed and put a hold on promotions until Lloyd Austin changes that policy, uh, essentially, which would use taxpayer dollars uh, to fund travel for abortion uh, inside the U.S. military, uh, which is wrong. It violates the Hyde, Hyde Act, the Hyde Amendment. And uh, again, I simply told him, you change the policy, you solve the problem. It's not another senator's problem. It's not Senator Tuberville's problem. This is Lloyd Austin's problem, and he can fix it. it you're absolutely right. I mean, this would go away overnight. I've had Senator Tuberville on the program. Absolutely. With a stroke of a pen, he could fix this problem. But he refuses to. And this is, And I should point out that this policy that expands abortion in the military ranks goes from about, um, on average, about 20 abortions that are performed in the military a year to about 4,000, about 4,100. Um, And that was done unilaterally. Congress didn't speak into that. This is something that the administration did, as you said, contrary to existing law. Uh, They did. And again, it's against the will of the people. It's uh, uh, against uh, the spirit of what the Supreme Court uh, uh, did last year. And again, uh, it's against the Hyde Amendment as well. And it's it's tragic. Will will the Republican senators uh, stand with Senator Tuberville on this? I see many that have stood with him. I've stood with him in, in committee, um, again, telling Lloyd Austin, you know, this is not uh, this is not someone else's problem. This is not uh, a senator being obstinate. This is about a policy that violates the spirit of the military. And uh, and, and simply put, Lloyd Austin can fix this. Uh, right. It's as simple as that. So he keeps doubling down. And uh, and it's a, it's a war of the wills right now. And I'm glad that uh, people are standing up to Lloyd Austin. Yeah, I, I agree 100 percent. Very quickly, we're about out of time, but you're heading heading to the border uh, tomorrow to see this uh, increased crisis for yourself. This is absolutely tragic what we're seeing with the end of Title 42. Uh, we need some sort of a patch. It doesn't have to be Title 42 itself, something that gives uh, uh, Border Patrol authority uh, to repel folks from coming in illegally. Look, this is a generous country. We let a million people a year uh, come in legally the right way. We want to welcome those. We want to continue that. But at the same time, we've had over 5 million people illegally. That's just the ones we know. Um, so many are, are sexually abused along the way. Uh, about a third of the women that make it to our borders have been abused. Um, children are being dropped over on this side of the border. Um, and who knows where they end up in abusive situations. Um, and again, it's absolutely tragic what the Biden administration has allowed. And I want to be down there firsthand to get briefed by uh, the brave men and women at our borders uh, that are trying to stop this, but whose hands have been tied by the Biden administration. I mean, I, I was at the border during the Trump administration after they put in place the Remain in Mexico, and and, and there was almost no traffic coming across the border. This is the result of policy decisions. Yeah, it, it, it is. And it's either the lack of decision making or bad decision making. Uh, and you have uh, a secretary, Ali Mayorkas, who uh, says he stands with the men and women of the Border Patrol, but he absolutely does not. Uh, I, I look at actions more than I look at words. And when I've been down there on the border multiple times and then come back and gone to all 100 counties in my great state of North Carolina, and I've talked to sheriffs all over, they say that every single county in North Carolina is now a border county because of Joe Biden's policies. 
and just north of Charlotte in a, a more of a rural community, there was a traffic stop with, in one car, enough fentanyl to kill 250,000 people. And, and this is not just unique to right. that area, all over our country. And I've heard heard the I, same I reports. Joe Biden. Yeah. Heard the same reports. Senator, always great to see you. Maybe we can catch up with you when you get back from the border. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. All right, Senator Ted Butt of uh, North Carolina. All right, don't go away. On the other side of the break, there'll be more Washington Watch. I'm not sure what it'll be. We're uh, still trying to get some of the members connected as they're voting. So stay tuned for the surprise after the break. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right. Uh, there's so much happening uh, in our nation's capital. The uh, Not only did we have a report that came out from the government, the Federal Weaponization Committee under a subcommittee under the, the House Judiciary Committee, earlier today, the House Oversight Committee uh, also revealed information, major allegations against the Biden administration for raking in millions of dollars from foreign nationals, uh, some linked to the Chinese Communist Party, uh, for influence peddling. Now, that's what we're going to talk about. However, the votes have been called on the House floor and everyone's scrambling to vote. So we may have to save that topic until tomorrow. We're waiting to see if uh, we connect with uh, Congresswoman Lisa McLean. Uh, But I want to go uh, to another related Biden topic with uh, Travis Weber, vice president for policy here at the Family Research Council. And it has to do with the the Biden administration. And we we talked about just a few moments ago about what they're doing in the military. Well, they're doing the same thing in foreign policy, pushing this radical leftist agenda that undermines the family, religion, sowing uh, discord in countries all around the world. Uh, Joining me now is Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs. Travis, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. So when we look at, uh, it's very obvious what they're doing in our nation's military, pushing this abortion agenda, what they're doing in education here domestically with the transgender agenda. All of this combined is being pushed in a very, big way when we look at our foreign policy through the State Department. Yeah, it really is, Tony. It's tragic and it's sad, and it's going to decrease America's standing around the world. I mean, as you were talking with Senator Budd, 
This is discouraging allies when they see the U.S. military focusing on distracting uh, drag queen performances and we need to focus on military readiness. How it similarly discourages allies when they see us coercing and strong arming countries around the world to push coercive LGBT related agenda items of the Biden administration into these countries against the country's own wishes. And it's sad to say, but we're becoming a promoter of this stuff. America is becoming known for promoting the LGBT agenda. Uh, even the last few weeks, there's been a litany of developments in the news. They're now rolling out a USAID policy with a comment period ending tomorrow that's going to in integrate the in in promotion of the LGBT agenda. They're framing it as inclusive development throughout the entire USAID programming. Um, Tony, it really paints a, a discouraging for our allies around the world, a discouraging picture of what the United States is supposed to be all about. Yeah, I've actually uh, read the report, the USAID LGBTQI plus inclusive development policy. And, and just the opening of it says USAID. Now, this is the, uh, the, the agency under the Trump administration that was helping rebuild churches and others in the Middle East that had been destroyed by ISIS. They're the humanitarian. They tried to help. Uh, and they, they're, they're really to put, I guess, a, a good face on America abroad by being a helping hand. Here's the, the very opening of this uh, report. USAID affirms and celebrates lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and intersex people and all people of diverse sexual orientations, gender identities, and expressions, and sex characteristics as integral parts of every society. W what about celebrating just normal people? What about celebrating what America is about and uh, helping people regardless of what their sexual orientation or confusion might be? Yeah, I mean, Tony, you know, this is this is sending a signal about what's important to the United States. And we're sending the signal that this is what we care about to the detriment of clean, clean, clean water, health care, housing, a sustenance, basic economic needs. We're, we're when we send this signal, we're not sending that signal. We're also not currently under the Biden administration talking about the value of religious freedom. The USAID should have a religious freedom policy that incorporates the promotion of this basic human right, which we have been known to fight for. And so, Tony, the United States, before our eyes, is giving up its place of the historic worldwide defender of human rights in, in the, the battle, the ideological battles of the last century, positioned as the beacon of freedom against Soviet communism. We're now abdicating that role to promote sexual uh, perversion against the wishes and with a coercive arm-twisting manner on these African countries who need help and need a helping hand, and we're now twisting right. their arms and saying, you're not going to get aid unless you come alongside. Two weeks ago, the U.S. government paused its PEPFAR, its AIDS relief meeting with uh, Ugandan partners to because of the country's stance on homosexuality. We're seeing this across the board. Rob Emanuel, a Japanese, back, a Japanese journalist, uh, expressing outrage at his meddling in that country's uh, laws on sexuality because he's pushing the LGBT agenda as ambassador to Japan, meddling in domestic policies in that country. So this is a pattern. Uh, the scores of embassies flying the pride flag, the U.S. government and its human rights uh, reports uh, criticizing countries for their laws that go against the Biden administration's agenda on this. So this is a pattern and it's sending a horrific signal about what the United States is supposed to be about worldwide. It, it's cultural imperialism is, is what this is. Uh, what can people do to weigh in on this? So, Tony, the comment period is closing tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be filing a comment, but uh, you can partner with FRC as we're trying to be your eyes and ears in Washington on items like this and let us know you stand with us uh, against what the Biden administration right. is trying to, to uh, push on this. But there is the opportunity to comment with USAID through the end of the comment period tomorrow. All right, folks, we'll talk more about that. Also, you can weigh in with your members of Congress and tell them to stop this radical push upon foreign countries that don't want it. Travis, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, folks, stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of the break. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? 
It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742 and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this Wednesday. Well, here's some good news. The Washington Watch audience continues to grow. As of this week, we can be found on the Dove TV network at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Dove TV broadcast over the air and on cable channels from the Bay Area of California up through southern Washington state. And it's on smart TV apps everywhere. Let me also say we are extremely grateful for all of our partner TV networks, his channel, NRB TV, FISM, Liftable, AUN TV, and the Central Ohio Association of Christian Broadcasters. Each of these platforms, along with uh, over 800 radio stations, are partnering with Washington Watch to help Christians better understand the issues of our day so that we can be the salt and light we've been called to be. To find out more about how you can listen to the program, go to TonyPerkins.com and look at the listing of stations. And also you can share the website with your friends and encourage others to tune in. All right. Uh, so members are scrambling to vote, but um, I can always rely on doctors. Well, members of Congress are demanding answers after a recent study by the National Institutes of Health on Gender Procedures for Youth turned tragic. Two participants died by suicide. An additional 11 patients studied experienced suicidal ideation. Despite the study's alarming results, its leaders celebrated it as a success because these experimental treatments altered the subject's physical appearance. How could this fatally flawed study have been allowed to continue? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He's a pediatric endocrinologist and the immediate former 
president of the American College of Pediatricians, as well as an associate clinical professor of pediatrics at Morehouse Schools of Medicine. Dr. Van Meter, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for making a house call this afternoon. <laughs> Happy to do so under the circumstances. Now, this, this uh, effort by Congress to look into this is very important. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, two youth suicides in a taxpayer-funded study of, a, of this experimental procedure uh, of using, you know, drugs and surgeries to deal with gender dysphoria. Why wasn't this stopped and immediately investigated after these deaths? Well, it's very interesting. This study is at four centers, uh, in, one in Los Angeles, one in San Francisco, Chicago, and Boston. These were centers that were already doing these kinds of uh, pathway procedures, if you will, uh, over a number of years prior to getting uh, into a place where they could gather data. It's a very unusual study in that it does, it does not, it's not like other studies where you have unified criteria across the centers, um, a set of consent forms that's uniform for, e for the whole project, uh, stopping criteria for adverse, serious adverse events, which could be something as simple as a hospitalization for complications related to procedures. Uh, and of course, death is the most serious uh, of the adverse events. In those kinds of standard protocols, which we belong in, in our clinical studies and which most people belong, they are governed by an institutional review board that's independent of the centers that are doing that. And they, they require a, a very strict um, consent form, an assent form for adolescents. Uh, they have a safety committee, which is a separate entity, which has no uh, financial interest in any way with the those doing the study. So it's a very clean and solid way to stop a study uh, and, and examine it when things go wrong. Uh, that does not apply to this study for some reason. It's not a standard study. Nothing was standardized by it. Each center was doing just what they wanted to do and what they continue to do. And they call it an observational study to get out from under the, the regular kinds of regulations, which would stop this, this study in its tracks. Well, the sad that, thing is, the, yeah, the two deaths are, are uh, unconscionable. I mean, that, that raises a lot of questions. Why did the federal government fund this? Why did NIH <laughs> fund this, given that it was it was not operating according to normal protocol? Well, they kept it under wraps. Uh, when they first, we knew this study was coming. We we know these centers; they're you know key players for a long time in the gender industry, if you will. And so we saw this coming. We we you know we heard about it first. We went digging around, looking at where the grant money came from, the the Kennedy Institute and and through the NIH. And we said, wait a minute, you know, how is this going to work? Uh, you know, this this they're going to be doing things to children and. One of my colleagues, Dr. Mike Laidlaw in California, and, uh, and some of his colleagues wrote a letter to, to uh, I think, Senator Mike Lee had say, saying, this is a warning. Uh, you need to look into this study because it's not, it's not following the kinds of protocols and safety and protection of, of human subjects that it should. Um, and we knew there was about $5 million thrown in for a five-year study. And this, this data is just from the first two years. God knows where it's going to go from here. But it is perverse that they are using this study published, the first two years data in the New England Journal of Medicine in January, as a study hailing success of their of their programs. It is an absolute sham with faulty reasoning, faulty representation. And I will tell you, I was at the Pediatric Endocrine Society meetings in San Diego just then over this past weekend, and it was lauded by the uh, interest groups as being one of the most concrete studies to show the benefits of their of their labor and their ideology, and clearly it doesn't show that. And, and, and of course, they, they, they do want to roll over the laymen and the lawmakers with this type of, of stuff. Now, I, I, I read this, and, and, and I, I submit this to you to, to verify or not, but that many of the clinicians involved in these studies are known as gender medicine activists. So this is, the, they, they are looking for these types of outcomes. Is, is, is that true? And if so, would that not raise questions about this? Well, it should. I mean, in any other kind of subject, well, hopefully there are just a few subjects like this where ideology takes over science. But <clears throat> the, the circumstances here, these were all longtime activists. Uh, that prejudice is the results going in. They designed the observational study to basically prove what they wanted to. They, they have a theory. We're right. This is what we should do. Anybody else who is against it is, is a bigot and a hater. So we're going to go ahead and design a, a, quote, scientific study that proves what we want to prove. And that's, that's exactly what this is. It's just a self-prophecy situation with really 
uh, you know, subterranean <laughs> craftiness that is that is hurting patients, and and the study in regular circumstances would be halted in its tracks immediately. Uh, Dr. Van Meter, how many uh, participants were involved in this study that you know of? There were, I believe, uh, over 350 from the four centers. And, and what were what were the ages? Uh, in this study, it was reported 12 to 20. Uh, and we know that some of the funding for this study was actually pulled aside by one of the investigators in Los Angeles uh, and used to fund the mastectomies of girls as young as 13 and 14. That was not in the standard uh, guidelines at the time, but we know this funding money was used for that. So there is there is fraud about this whole circumstance. Investigators in this thing should be called to question and and governed uh, and, and and sanctioned if, if the if truth be known. So based upon the the treatments that were done here, these experimental treatments using uh, drugs and as you just mentioned surgeries. What will be the long-term consequences for these youth that went through this? Uh, they will be sterilized, first of all. That's the, that's the baseline of the hor horrific nature of the outcomes. On top of that, uh, there is uh, the, the side effects of the medications that create disease states that we have known about in medicine for as long as we've known about hormones and their effects, going back into the early 1920s and, and since. Um, we know these disease states because we we aggressively treat them to stop the adverse outcomes of excessive amounts of hormones that don't belong to the biologic sex of that body. Uh, and so we there's plenty of data in from top to bottom to show that every one of the drugs they're using has adverse consequences. The overall lifespan of the transgender population is half that of the U.S. population. Uh, and it's just it's because they're cre creating medical problems that would not have otherwise existed. And these poor individuals not only are sterile, but they are sexually incompetent. They have no ability to have any real sexual function moving forward. When their their organs are fried by cross-sex hormones, their brains are adversely affected with uh, brain development in the adolescent age. Uh, bone density is, is, is taken apart and, and they, they end up having frequent fractures in, in adulthood because of that. It's just a panoply of disease that, that otherwise would not have existed if the child had been counseled and walked through the process, which is the real international standard of care, is to not medicalize this, but realize it's based on mental health issues. And resolving those mental health issues essentially resolves the transgender uh, uh, the transgender ID, uh, identification in 90 plus percent of all these kids. So, so Dr. Van Meter, is that why many countries in Europe that generally are more liberal than America on so many issues are pulling back from this and moving the other direction? Yes, they actually did two what are called broad systemic reviews of every bit of published literature on the subject and came to the conclusion that there is no proven benefit to mental health and likely a, a, a deterioration of mental health with both um, the medical and surgical and even social affirmation of these children. So they have the data that's 10 years ahead of the United States. And that data said this is, this is not beneficial and it's actually harmful. Therefore, we will cease and desist any minor uh, receiving any social affirmation, medical affirmation, and certainly surgical affirmation. It seems a bit... Uh ironic here that, you know, they're kind of sweeping under the rug the fact that they had two participants in this commit suicide when this is why they say they need these medical experimentations. So, I mean, this is what many parents have actually testified to, that they felt pressured for their children to go through this process because the medical authorities said that, well, if you don't, you're going to have a dead child. And there's a very telling statistic from the Tavistock Clinic, which had the largest population of kids that had been actually, uh, you know, affirmed in, in their incongruent gender, uh, both medically and some surgically. Uh, the, the, the suicide completion rate, uh, it was 0.03% in the patients that were treated. 
but the wait list of some 300 plus patients who had never received the treatments uh, and, and were being followed nonetheless for their, for their outcomes, there, these would be the untreated, those that didn't get their, their treatments, the, the same, it was the same rate, 0.03% suicide completion. So it's, that is manufactured uh, misinformation of the greatest proportion. It's an evil, uh, you know, sort of a sledgehammer which parents are pummeled with. Uh, and the kids who want this to be done have read this online and they are coached into using that as the bludgeon to make their parents sign forms for them. Uh, what you just described is what's called a control group, is it not? Something that yes. was uh, missing in yes. uh, this NIH study. Absolutely. Let, let me, I, I know I, I can ask you medical questions, but medic, medicine is also uh, bound by ethics, and we learn from history. And when, when I look at a study like this and I look what's happening, you know, I look back at uh, you know, the Tuskegee study and how you know, these things were done, a lot of them under wraps, but then when it's exposed and we're down the road a little bit, there's shock. And I'm just wondering if we are not at in the middle of one of those moments where 20 years from now, people are going to look back on this in shock and horror that we allowed this to occur. The problem is, I mean, you're absolutely right, and it, hopefully it will be sooner than later that the real reality, you know, breaks forth and the, and the world knows how evil this concept is of taking healthy children with mental health problems and, and throwing hormones and surgery at them to, to create a solution which does not work and never has worked. Um, the, you know, it's, it, it, there'll be, by the time that happens, there's going to be maybe a million plus children around the world who have been permanently damaged. Uh, and that is the sad thing. You know, my heart says we need to do this yesterday and have shut this down and never gotten here in the first place. Uh, it breaks my heart to see these kids who are really suffering emotionally so, so deeply. And they are told that that's the product of societal rejection, not not essentially the core issue for them. And they're being glossed over and, and thrown into this protocol, this sort of conveyor belt of treatment, which I really think, as you said, in, in uh, another decade or so, we're going to look back and say, oh, my God, what, what were we doing? This is, reminds me of the experiments in Nazi Germany, even. Uh, that's what the Geneva Convention put forward with the Nuremberg, um, you know, sort of protocol for protection of human subjects. So this would never happen again. This was this was not to happen. And, and the guidelines that we in ethical clinical research use are being bypassed by this uh, current study. Well, and there is so much, I, I don't, I'm not going to say groupthink, I, I would say fear, even in the professional ranks, that uh, with the exception of a handful of courageous uh, men and women like yourself who are willing to speak out about this, the, the medical community is walking in lockstep with this agenda. I will tell you, it's very unusual. I attended, as I said, the Pediatric Endocrine Society meeting, which is my national professional organization in my field. And for the first time in my in my medical career to register for this meeting, I had to sign a check and check a box that said that I would not show any disrespect for any one of the presenters in the in the uh, in that we're going to be presenting. And that if in any way I upset the apple cart and made somebody feel uncomfortable, I would be removed from the premises and uh, rejected from the Pediatric Endocrine Society. That's how afraid the, the core group is. They do not want anybody stepping outside the box. This is insanity. Wow. Wow. Dr. Van Meter, always great to talk with you. Thanks. Thanks so much for uh, for making that house call today. Well, I'm so happy that I have a place where I can come and let all these things out of my my person because they stay bottled up a lot. And it's not really healthy to not be able to express frustration and let people know what's going on. People need to hear it. And we're grateful for you doing that. Thank you. Look forward to talking to you soon. Likewise. Well, folks, um, share this information. The parents, grandparents need to know this because this is a contagion, a social contagion spreading across the country. All right, we're out of time, but Lord willing, we'll be back again tomorrow, and I hope you will as well. Until then, I leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. 
portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 